If you're like me, you've probably wondered, why does it seem like I always date the wrong person? Well, what if I told you that there was a scientific explanation as to why this may be the case? In this episode, I'll talk with Amanda about how what she learned from the book Attached by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller completely altered her perspective of dating that ultimately led her to an amazing relationship with her current partner. Welcome to Forbidden Fruit Podcast, where each episode will awaken you to the knowledge of a better you through insightful discussions and shared experiences that instantaneously changed our lives. Don't forget to follow or subscribe, leave a review, as well as turn on your notifications so you'll know when new episodes are available. Be sure to listen to the end so you don't miss Amanda's beautiful explanation of how learning about adult attachment theory changed her life and relationships for the better. All right, Amanda, thank you for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. So, Amanda, you were the one that really introduced me to the idea of attachment styles. You also were the one that recommended that I read the book uh, called Attached on Attachment Styles. So for those that don't understand what attachment styles are, could you give them a, a quick breakdown of, of that? Yeah, um, I did not have the definition mapped out already. So my my take on what I have read on um, from this book specifically, but also just from a lot of other different therapies. Um, attachment, adult attachment theory is is the science of 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 attachment styles within adults. Like how, you know, it part of it um, does stem from childhood. Part of it does stem from our parents' interactions with us, whether they were readily there for us and always met our needs, which would produce secure. If they were inconsistent with their, um, with their parenting or their affection, that would create anxious. And then if they were pretty cold or, um, you know, avoidant, that creates avoidant tendencies. So the adult attachment styles is basically now looking into how we love and how we're in relationships and whether these attachment styles, um, they they kind of dictate sometimes if you're not aware of it i i would say that they dictate who you meet who you spend your time with who you share relationships with who who you give your energy to that maybe you shouldn't um yeah why you might feel very anxious in relationships all the time i mean there's certain patterns that once i read this i was like oh this is me this is I'm anxious and I've literally been dating avoidant people my whole entire dating career. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, so, so to highlight the interaction between an anxious and avoidant attached person, like, so describe that, like, how is that, why is that significant and what is the, right. what does that look like? Yeah. So there's three attachment styles and there, there's a fourth one too. I've heard. Um, also, I just heard about a new book that goes deeper into this. Um, that I thought I'd share with you. Um, okay. It's called, oh boy, of course. Oh, Insecure in Love. Okay. So hilariously, my one of my favorite podcasts I listen to, it's a true crime comedy podcast. One of the girls recently just talked about how she just read Attached. And I was like, what? That's from years ago. I can't believe she hasn't read that yet. 
or I can't believe we haven't heard them talk about it. So then this week, this newest episode, she just um, said, hey, to, to further that, I just also read a deeper book that goes deeper into it. So um, Insecure in Love is going to be my new uh, read to see. And, and I guess that one's geared more towards when you're in a relationship. Okay. So yeah, there's three adult, uh, there's three attachment styles. We have um, secure, anxious, and avoidant. Secure, um, that's essentially where we're trying to work to be. We're trying to work to be secure so that we are the partner that genuinely wants to meet our pe- our partner's needs without, it, it's not like a, like a task. They don't view it as a, like, ugh this person needs this i guess i'll do it you know it's It's very second nature it's it's inherent it's yes it's an inherent need to want to meet their their partner's needs without question um so then anxious um which would be me um though i'm more secure now um anxious attachers they 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 struggle with their self-worth and they struggle with knowing that they're enough. So essentially they're always preoccupied with whether the other person loves them, you know, whether the other person is going to stay true to them, wants to be with them, cares about them. Um, and almost always us sweet little anxious people love to meet avoidant opposites. Right. Um, because there's this attraction, it's, it's this weird pull that, that attracts this, this partnership of avoidant and attached, uh, avoidant and anxious, and it creates a roller coaster. So both parties kind of get addicted to the ups and downs and the the highs and lows, which are actually marks of unhealthy relationships, right? right? But, but it gets confusing. So in the beginning, the anxious and avoidant, because avoidant people want love too, they just really desire autonomy and they desire and love their independence so essentially they're oil and water right they meet and it is this amazing strong connection but then once the anxious person wants a little bit more reassurance and and wants to know where things are going or what this means the avoidant person is like peace out (laughs) gotta go oh you know i'm just so busy at work or oh my gosh everything i mean i am just so busy i couldn't respond to you for three days i have been just wildly busy yeah, no, right. that's not a right. No one is so busy that they cannot respond because we like take our phones to the bathroom with us at this point. That's so <laughs> you can't tell me, right? And this is me like learning about all this. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, he's avoidant, right? Or right. when my friends are telling me certain situations and they're explaining things and I'm like, yeah, no, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little cliche to say that there are certain things that, you just don't like it shouldn't be right like you shouldn't like there is no such thing as like i was too busy to answer my partner for right. three days that's, that's, I, I, that's I too much too busy to answer to, to say hello right no and so that's what i was just talking about with my 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 partner earlier is realizing that in almost in a few days five months of dating I haven't had to have that complete anxious meltdown of like, oh my God, I haven't heard from him in days. And does that mean he doesn't? I mean, that's just not a thing because he's very secure. And that wouldn't even cross his mind to not speak to me for 
even a day. <laughs> right. That seems like an extreme. So for me, so to kind of explain the avoidance to people that don't understand, I used to be very avoidant. I still kind of have some of those tendencies in myself, but avoidant is like like what Amanda, what you like what you were saying. It's whenever you feel someone getting closer to you, you have to push them away for some reason. It's almost like it's someone right. It's like someone coming closer to you is almost as though you're surrendering a part of your freedom of or who you are. And so so I completely get that. So with, so let me ask you this question. So then what happened? Like, what was the situation or the dynamic or the dating situation or relationship that you were in that made you come to this epiphany or realization of attachment styles that you are anxiously attached or led you to somebody recommending you the book attached to where you had this aha moment? This is kind of what this is what has been happening over the past however many years of dating relationships. Yeah, so I was in a relationship. Um, I think I was recommended this book probably about three years ago, maybe. Yeah, a little over three years ago, I would say. And I was recommended it to uh, by a friend because I was in a relationship with someone who um, was definitely very avoidant, or at least what I perceived as avoidant, right? And so um, constantly, like you know, left me on red and it would just drive me crazy. And I would cry to my friend, like, I just don't understand why I feel this way. Like, why do I care? Why do I care that he hasn't, why does it bother me? And also why does it not empower me to be like, peace out, this isn't for me. Like, why am I putting up with it kind of? And so she had read this book and just read it and was like, you have to read it. So um, I started reading it and I pretty much was just bawling through the whole thing. And I was like, wow, I'm just, I'm, I'm anxious and he's avoidant and it's just oil and water. So I, I actually broke up with him. <laughs> I was like, Hey, you know, I'm just reading this book and I'm just realizing like my needs aren't being met. And, and it's not like, it's not really your fault. You just don't have that. Like it's, it's not what you want. Right. And right. so. I kind of, bro I broke it off and it kind of sent him into this whole, like, I'm not, you know, he actually went and got the book and then started reading it and was just kind of, you know, coming, trying to come back into my life and saying, I'm actually not avoidant. I'm more anxious and da, 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 but I have avoidant tendencies. And so I allowed, and so I kind of allowed that to trick me into it again a little bit and kind of resumed in that relationship, which is normally a no-go for me. Um, and, it, and it still, it went right back to push and pull and oil and water. And, you know, two years later, it's like, I am wildly unhappy and, you know, I'm needing certain intimacies that you're not wanting to give because it's just not what you, that's not what you're wanting to do. It's not your love language, whatever. And... And there was just no personal growth within that other person. So anyway, um, I want to say that it was an aha moment of reading the book and then breaking up with him and saying, woohoo, I fixed everything. And I right. didn't, then I did return into that relationship for then probably another year. And that was not um, healthy. However, everything ended amicably and it was actually a very, ended up, ended up being a very healthy ending of something without it being any drama or animosity or anything like that. Um, but going forward after that and the year of dating in between that, it was really, um, it was more interesting for me to notice my patterns and my, because you can only control you. 
exactly yeah only it's not about like who can i find that can do this for me it's like i also need to work on me right um so actually i will backtrack i or or forward i would say aha moment was over the summer i dated a guy for a couple months and he told me all the things that i i i like to hear and I still try to stay aware of like, oh, but that's just love bombing or, you know, people do that. And anyway, I ended up meeting him and then going to the East Coast for about a month. And I noticed almost immediately the second I wasn't near him or like in proximity, I started to feel really anxious because my not enoughness was trying to say that, oh, now you're gone. See, he's going to go start dating someone else because whatever, which was totally okay if he wanted to do that. But... There was no communication on his end either. So it was both, right? I noticed my anxiety starting to spike and I tried, I started to ask myself like, what is happening? Why is that? Like, why are you like, why is it spiking? Why do you feel so anxious about this person that you kind of don't even really. So how long, how long, how long into the, into knowing this person did you, did this happen? You said a month? Um, no. So actually we met and then, um, I ended up going like driving to the East coast for a month. And so we communicated through then, but like, and at first it was a lot, then it started to trickle away. And anyway, just long story short, you know, he kept saying like, Oh, but you know, I totally want to get to know you and da da da, but then wouldn't talk to me for days. And the excuse was like, I'm so busy at work. And I was just like, Oh, but the whole this communication thing is would normally allow this. And now, like, I was like, oh, no, like, hey, enjoy you. You're great. Like, whatever. But this doesn't work for me. Like, I'm not going to. So it was it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. So you've been <laughs> able to identify that, like, in the moment, though, seems to be a big thing because a, a lot of, of growth for what I've seen is like, I can tell when somebody's about to change when they start to identify things closer to the event. Like it's one thing to look back at something after the fact and be like, oh yeah, I did this. But when you're just fresh out of it and you can reflect to the point where you can identify it, mm-hmm. now it sounds like you're at the point where not only you're identifying it, you're identifying it in real time as it's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and then when I met my my current partner, there were certain things that I was like, oh, that's, I watched myself feel nervous to tell him something right? Nervous to say how I felt, nervous to express certain things because normally in the past, if I did that, they would reaction. Yeah. And so the first few times telling him something and having him react in a very healthy way kind of scared me, <laughs> it like blew my mind a little bit. And I, I wasn't, I almost wasn't prepared for it. Um, so let's talk about that then. So now that you're in a healthy relationship, like how has that dynamic differed from what you were used to prior to meeting this person? Well, um, I know that it, it feels very safe for me. So um, if I am feeling insecure one day or if something it could literally anxiety, that's how it works, right? So anxiety is your brain making up shit. And telling you all of these right, exactly. stories, all of these different stories that tell you that they're 100% true. So when we first started dating, I remember, um, I think he, he told me, I'm going to bed early. I'm really tired. I'm going to bed early. And I was like, totally have a great night. 
you know, whatever. And my, my, I stayed up all night because my mind was just like, maybe he went to bed early because he is talking to someone else and hanging out with them and, you know, doing his thing. I mean, and it was just outrageous the things that my brain was keeping me up to tell me what was happening yeah. and the next day i told him that i that i felt anxious and that all of that and i mean his reaction was like can i swing by and just give you a kiss or can i you know i'm on my way to work can i swing by and see you or that's dope and it was just it wasn't it, he didn't make me feel bad he didn't say wow like i mean there was no manipulation or gaslighting of making me feel crazy or insecure i mean it was just he met me with like complete understanding and that was that's been really big for me um that's something that you don't really hear a lot at all these like today yeah. i mean because i mean so i just have you seen that movie uh malcolm and marie i haven't watched it yet no but it's so on my list you have to watch it like you yeah. like today you have to watch it so it's it's pretty much a a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and so the the premise of the movie is this guy comes back and he they they're coming back up from this movie that he created the premiere of the movie and he apparently he thanked everyone except his girlfriend who he wrote the movie about wow. and then you kind of had like this back and forth and it was like every time that she opened up and told him how he how she felt like he pretty much steamrolled her and just jumped on her and so it was this kind of, I mean, for like an hour, a little bit over an hour, it was like this constant back and forth of her kind of expressing herself and then him beating her over the head with her own emotions and feelings. And that to me, that toxic interaction in my mind is something that is almost in a way, as, as bad as it is, it's almost kind of like romanticized in the media. And it's it seems like that that is more acceptable because what happened in that situation I've never seen anything like that in the movies. I've never heard anything like that in podcasts. I never read anything like that. That is not something that is normal now in today's world. And so that's interesting that that you that that's that that's the, the the dynamic that you're having because that's not me hearing that. That's the first time I've heard anything like that because that's mm-hmm. just not what's popular. But that's what a healthy relationship is, though. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too. I mean we are completely socialized in a patriarchal society, right? So there is internalized misogyny within women and men. And I mean, what you're talking about, that toxicity in that movie, like that's very, to me, that's like, that's gaslighting that is prevalent all the time. I mean, it happened in my last relationship. I would say, um, hi, how come, like, can you hug me? Can I have a kiss? Like the fact that I had to ask for a hug or a kiss was really sad. And when I would bring that up, the response was, well, I'm a piece of shit. Well, I guess I'm terrible and I'm not this and I'm not. And I mean, it just, so then instead of me being able to express my feelings and my hurt and then feeling any sort of validation or just acknowledgement, I had to be like, no, you're not. And you're, you know, like I had to feed his ego right? and it was a way to take it away from him. And so that type of gaslighting is really harmful and, um, it's tough. Yeah. So, and so it was something in the book that really caught my attention and I want to, I, I should have saved it or, you know, put a pen in it, but I want to say it was like a page like 90, 91, where it talked about how the anxious attached will confuse an avoidance triggering of your anxiety as passion and love. Yep. And that almost is a, in a way addicting. Yep. 
so so that to me, so it was something I watched the other day where this one girl was talking about on, on Instagram and she was talking about how she was in a relationship and a guy treated her nice, you know, was, you know, completely respected her in the whole time, whole nine. And she said that it made her feel empty because and then she went into well now my guys and I think she was kind of playing into this because it was too it was too exaggerated for what she was saying but at the same time she was saying my guy now is a little toxic but the sex is great and not and then like I now I feel good about it because we have this excitement in the relationship but the excitement that she was describing is is toxic behavior exactly so actually I dog-eared the same thing that you're talking about because it says what happens when you do meet someone secure and it's um basically it's saying that um the it's hard to decipher through all their um they talk a lot about people like those words um but basically literally saying that that a lot of times you might meet a secure person but the spark isn't there or the excitement isn't there but that's just because they're so addicted to the roller coaster of the avoidant attachment trap or avoidant anxious anxious trap um so yeah we tend to actually dismiss secure people and say that they're boring because because they're just like hey i'm here like i'm just ready to be here and be here and meet your needs and i don't need to get all create like i don't need the highs and lows and the ups and downs like that so um yeah, that that I definitely I definitely can see that happening. And I'm sure I have said goodbye to many secure men in my past because I was so caught up in that anxious um, avoidant trap. So so when you were in that moment, though, like, could you could you not identify it? Was it just were you so engulfed in the emotion of what it is? Like, could you not take a moment to step back and say, oh, this is wrong? Or was it just like what what kept you there? Like what kept you drawn into that? Um, Well, I think it is lack of knowing, understanding what you're even going through. I mean, like I said before, I read this book. I had no idea what I thought there was something wrong with me that I just must like, I just must love too much, you know, or, or whatever. And I think it was learning the terminology and learning the science behind it of like, oh, first of all, there's others like me. I'm not alone, right? Like I'm not alone in these feelings and these thoughts and these anxious feelings in a relationship. I'm not alone. Um, So that's super healing is to know that like, you're not the only person that has these thoughts. It's really healing. Um, But yeah, I would say ever since reading the book, I definitely saw a new, I could see more things. I could notice more things. It didn't necessarily stop me sometimes, but it did stop me a lot earlier than I think it would have in the past. Um, Yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this question, because talking to you, it kind of brought something up that I just now realized that I noticed in the book. So in the book, whenever there was an example of an anxious attached person, it was almost exclusively a woman. And then when you brought up the and then when the book you had examples of avoiding, it was almost exclusively like a man. So do you feel that that is just, you know, an outlier in how this book just chose to it's examples or do you feel like okay maybe women are more prone to be anxious and men are more prone to be avoiding or is that something other than what you've experienced um i definitely would say that this book leans heavy on representing males as being more the avoidant and also as i'm reading as i kind of leafed through it today um 
I also noticed that they also kind of demonize avoidant a lot. Like they're kind yes. of mean to be avoidant. The book is kind of like really like anti-avoidant. And I think it's really important to say here that avoidant people absolutely want love too. And in fact, the reason why they're avoidant is because it's keeping them safe. Because when they were children, if their parents were not around and they did not receive love consistently, it kept them safe to like stay away because when you get close and then they leave, then that hurts you again, right? So I think it's important to note that avoidant people are great people. They just, um, they're protecting themselves, right? Like they're literally protecting themselves from actually loving. Like they're they're so afraid to get close because they don't want to get hurt. So right. the way of protection is to push away. Um, I think that men absolutely experience anxiety just as much as women. Um, I think the big differences are that it's not talked about a lot within the male community, right? Uh, unfortunately, we have very toxic masculinity for generations being told, don't cry, be a man, X, Y, Z, right? So I think that there's a lot more anxiety within um, men than we know about because of that. So hopefully now we're starting to um, deconstruct a lot of those social norms that aren't really cool anymore, like teaching men to be strong and, you know, don't right. cry, silly. Um, but I will say that again, with our, with our patriarchal society, I would say that women are more prone to being the people pleasers and the anxiety that goes along with the people pleasing that I do think is prominent in women because of the way that we're socialized and we're taught to be subservient to men. Um, so within the anxious and avoidant, it does feel like sometimes women tend to be the more anxious, but um, I don't know. I think it's just the misconception. I do. I think that there's a lot of men that are anxious in relationships and there's a lot of women that are avoidant and yeah, I so, don't know. So it was a point that the book talked about that said uh, people that are anxiously attached are more I'm not, I'm not gonna say empathetic, but are more uh, in tune to other people's emotions. They're easy. They detect how people feel mm -hmm. better than someone who's avoided. And I, I personally feel, and this is my opinion, I feel like women are better at that anyway. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling some kind of way, but I'm hiding it, or maybe if I had like something that just threw me off slightly, I feel like the women in my life are more likely to pick up on that, whether what regardless of how that makes them feel. But it's just I saw to me when I was reading that, I kind of assumed that, OK, women are more naturally empathetic than men are uh, for whatever reason, even like with my son, like with my son. I mean, you know, men are very logical. You know, I need to get this. I've asked you to do this. So you need to do it. You know, don't do this because you're going to hurt yourself as opposed mm -hmm. to children are more emotion based thinking. Like, I want to do this because it's fun. or I don't want to do this because it makes me sad. or I don't want to do whatever. And so I feel like. Like, cause my son, I feel like is closer with his mom because she's more in tune with how he feels. And it took me, it was something that I had to actually work on to learn how to, okay, me just telling him what to do is not going to be something that he's going to pick up on. So I need to ask him, how do you feel? If mm -hmm. he's sad, maybe I give him a hug first and then talk to him about, you know, mm -hmm. this is why I'm asking you to do what I'm asking you to do as opposed to just do what I tell you to do because I told you. Mm -hmm. So, so does do you feel like that comes into play at all? Um... 
I actually just read something that says a lot of people think that they're empaths, but actually it's a trauma response when you have a unstable parent who is so erratic in their emotions, you learn to actually um, pick up on those. You So basically you start perceiving emotions so intently based on trauma response and because of that you like it makes you think you're almost empathetic throughout life because you're like well I feel so many things but really it's like your trauma response you're just so used to feeling other people's like emotions and things like that so I think that that was an interesting little tidbit there um I don't know again I would say that like again I you know it's it's this misconception that women are more sensitive than men but I don't think that that's actually true I just like what you're doing with your son by taking a moment and hugging him first those little things you're actually changing within that like male structure so then when your son gets older he's gonna be less inclined to be that rigid male right like almost um pattern And there's going to be more softness because you're inviting more softness, not just because his mom does have that nurturing instinct. Now, obviously, I would say that women, because we grow humans in our body and can and can bring them into the world. Yes, I think that there's an aspect of like a mothering nurturing that may be an instinctual thing. But also there's a lot of women that don't feel that instinct. So And there's a lot of men that are more like really paternal and really, I don't know. So I just, I think it's societal norms that want us to categorize and say that women are more sensitive, which makes them more anxious and men are more, you know, um, avoidant because they don't talk about their emotions. I don't think that that's, I think that's what they want us to believe. But I think that if we were actually to deep, to dig in deep and to have these conversations and to create these, these conversations, I feel like. It doesn't have to be so categorized. Right. Yeah. You know? so, you, so you said a couple of things I kind of want to touch on. So you explained how avoidance become avoidant through their childhood. So what about, so two things. So how do people become anxious? What happens in someone's childhood for them to become anxiously attacked, attached? And then also how can someone become, how can someone's childhood allow them to grow up and be secure detached? And then if you're not securely attached, if you're anxious and avoiding, like what can you do to become more secure? Mm-hmm. Um, this is just from, again, from, from the, the book that I got that kind of information from, but um, yeah, essentially uh, inconsistent love and affection and attention is what's going to create the anxious, right? Where it's hot and cold or, sometimes there and sometimes not that's what creates the anxious because they don't know when they're going to get it next you know so they're always like "Eh." um the avoidant would be like very cold like just not really i I wish that i had um i i thought i dog-eared it um but i think that i didn't anyway um yeah, yeah yeah okay um it just says that mother's bond um I don't like that I'm trying to read it and explain it to you anyway. But it's essentially that where um, inconsistent love is going to create more anxious attachment. um, Just not a lot of love, right? Or not even like, it's not that avoidant 
people don't love their children. It's the affection. I think it's the, it's the emotional connection that they have with their children. If they're kind of like a direct kind of cold person, there might not be that, like that warmth, that affection. Um, and then with secure, it's basically just the parents are meeting their children's needs, you know? Right. Um, and I think that there's a lot of science. I mean, I don't have kids, so I know that there's a lot of science of like, well, do we let them cry? Do we let them, you know, do we go to them as soon as they cry or do we let them cry it out? I think that that ties into it too. Um, there's also something called protest behavior that anxious people, um, uh, engage in, which I totally do like, oh, well, you know, he didn't talk to me for a whole day, so I just I won't talk to him for a whole day because you know that I want retaliation. I want to see if he really cares about me. You know, that's that's protest behavior. Um, instead of just saying, "Hey, I haven't heard from you in a day," like what's going on or something. Instead of being direct and communicating, we engage in this like, "Well, if I do this, then I'll see if he wants." You know, and it's this like skirting around the actual issue. Um, so. Oh, and then your question was like, how do you move from either one avoidant um, or anxious towards secure? Um, therapy. Okay. Okay. <laughs> therapy I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you is, brought that up. Yeah. Therapy is incredible. Um, it is not a taboo. It's not something that we should think. I mean, unfortunately, um, there's been a lot of stigma around it because you know what 50 60 years ago they would throw you in a mental institution because you had postpartum depression as a woman right so like that's outrageous it's disgusting the things that they have done because they had no because white straight men had no idea what was happening in other people's minds right so um yes we have a lot of work to do with destigmatizing therapy but i would say therapy is a really big start because you can talk to your therapist about your tendencies and how you would like to move through them um i would say for me working towards being secure was meeting someone that wasn't going to always challenge me right so staying in a in a I don't want to say staying in the right relationship, but like meeting the, that person and either being able to tell some tendencies right away and just see them as red flags and say, Hey, gotta go. It's nothing against you, but I just, I can see where this is going to lead. That was really big for me. Um, and then also like meeting someone and knowing like, okay, I don't see any of those tendencies and, and really exploring that. I feel that I'm more secure in this relationship almost five months in than I was even a couple weeks in or a month in because he has done, he has reassured me in ways that I've needed. And because of that reassurance, now I need less and less, right? So in the beginning it was a little bit more, but now that he's shown me like he's here, he's in it, he's interested, he wants to be with me. There isn't a question. I don't feel that push and pull. I'm not, I'm not needing that reassurance a lot. You know, now we can enjoy each other. <laughs> so it sounds like I mean, so it really sounds like a lot of this is uh, of how you how you can do that in a relationship specifically is communication. One million percent. Yes. And that's why therapy helps, because therapy helps to work on your communication. I'm really big on communication. Um, in fact, I feel like I get I, I don't want to say I get in trouble, but like people don't like it all the time because um 
I really try to look at all perspectives and it's really hard. We get tunnel vision and we want to say that the other person is wrong and that I am right. Totally. 100%. And then when we tell our friends and all of our friends are just an echo chamber and they're like, yeah, fuck him. He's terrible. Da, 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 da. Yeah. That's not real. And so I don't like that. And I'm not like that with my friends. I try to give them my honest opinion of what I see from all the sides, not just from their lens. Um, and people don't like that. A lot of people do not like direct communication. A lot of people do not like um, the absence of sugarcoating. I don't like to sugarcoat things. I, I think that that's not helpful. Um, but yeah, communication and, 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 and pushing through it when you don't want to, I think is the big one. Right. There's been plenty of times where I wanted to bring up something to, um, my, my guy. And I was worried about it where I was like, Oh, but he's going to react because all the other guys I've dated reacted this way. So if I say something like this, he's going to think I'm X. And then I would feel anxious. Right. And then I start shutting down and he's like, Hey, or you could just talk to me about it. Right. Like, but that, but that sounds like, I mean, like that's also, so I feel like intimacy is, is, is built through vulnerability. So it's almost kind of like, you feeling anxious i mean because for, so for me it sounds like for him he's just comfortable asking you how do you feel or he's comfortable within himself about how he feels but because this is something that you child you've in a way maybe struggled with before because of how people have interacted with you that to me seems like it's vulnerability for you and then him accepting it and not judging you and beating you over the head with it is in a way kind of making you closer and developing an intimacy between you two mm -hmm. so it almost kind of sounds like something that was you know a negative for a long time is now being turned into something that is making this relationship maybe have blossomed faster than what or or stronger than what you would have anticipated before mm -hmm. well yes absolutely you know my therapist when we were talking about because i asked her i said you know i just don't understand why i'm like this with this one like with this situation you know and she said well amanda you're actually really secure in all of your friendships, right? Like, don't you feel secure? Like, do you feel that you can communicate with all of your friends clearly, that you could tell them if something was wrong, that if you, if they told you something was wrong, could you, right? All the things. And I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. She was like, yeah, so you're not, you're not not a secure person. You've just been allowing, avoiding people in your life so much that it has pushed you towards the anxiety aspect versus where you actually are is pretty secure because how you are with your friends can can tell you that you are secure in your friendships you don't have anxiety in your friendships so that should show you like she was like that should tell you that you you do have that you're capable right you know, it's just it's it really is about meeting the right person like you know my partner is not the the most perfect person and neither am i right but no it, one is no no one's going to be perfect but it's the the point is that he's willing to meet me where I'm at and I'm willing to meet him where he's at. When he's come to me with some things that make him anxious, because I know what that feels like, I am 1,000% able to meet him there, like without a doubt. Right. He has come to me a couple of times like, hey, this thing made me anxious, da, 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 da. And I didn't, I didn't gaslight him and get defensive and freak out because I understood exactly where he was coming from. And I could... I could, because I could come from that space, I could be like, yeah, what can I do to, 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 like, what can I do to reassure you? You know, like, what do you need from me? Because I'll give it to you. No problem. Right. right? And that feels so good to me. It feels so good to be able to give that to someone. And it feels so good to have that from someone. 
so like just hearing that like that makes me feel so hopeful because it's like so I, I think that's and i told you about this so to so everyone that's listening i was dating someone at the end of last year and everything in my mind was like great like everything how she was expressing it was going great like the conversations that we would have we would talk for like hours i mean like the first time we talked on the phone we were literally on the phone from like 8 30 to like 2 30 almost three o'clock in the morning it was to the point where whenever we talked on the phone i almost had to set a timer because by the mm-hmm. time we by the time we looked up it would have been hours after the fact and so so with that and then she had this thing where she was saying you know what i've never met anyone like you you're very unique i love our conversations our connection is, is cool and then it like almost like three weeks to a month in she and we all the crazy thing about it is we talked about attachment styles like she's in you know she's in mental health she studies this stuff like she geeks out on it and so she was like yeah i'm secure or whatever and then you how she talks about her friends yeah you could tell like she's very secure and in a way she kind of has to be that way because she deals with people that have all these kind of problems you can't really have these up and lows and highs and downs you have to be able to assess it in a way that's not emotionally attached but again like i said three to three weeks to almost a month in she became avoidant it was like all of a sudden it's like well i think you're being weird i mean you're not really affectionate with me when she really wasn't affectionate with me at all and then she was like i feel like we're kind of going down this friendship vibe and it was just like how like what happened it was literally like a week or two from like everything is great attached like you couldn't really all secure attachment you really couldn't like keep us apart and then all of a sudden like she just became avoidant and so that to me was interesting and the only thing that i can come up in my mind was i think she may have put too much pressure on i think she may have put too much expectations on our connection that we had and for whatever that reason was the weight of that kind of broke her floor of secure attachment and made her become avoidant because of the pressure of well this could be somebody i could spend the rest of my life with so quickly Mm -hmm. so it's interesting for you to say that you can be one way with another group of people or a certain environment and be completely different in another environment because for me it was like yo like this is your life like you study like attachment styles you study you know mental health you study psychology and you love it but then when it comes to this you freaked out and the thing that made it more frustrating was she couldn't explain it mm-hmm. like how can you of all people not explain how you feel and why you think this way and so it's interesting to me that that's what happened so i'm curious as to what your i know we talked about it but what your perspective of that is I mean, I think there's, to me, it sounds a little bit like there's an aspect of like pedestal, like because she studies this and because she works in it, she's supposed to be perfect at it. That's not fair, right? Like no one's going to be perfect at it at all. And yeah, she probably does put an absorbent amount of pressure on herself because she's in that field, right? Like I can't imagine. I mean, I am not a therapist, so I don't have that like pressure to be like also have my life completely perfect. But my strong guess is that therapists need therapy too, obviously, just like, you know, I mean, but what's that saying about a painter's house is never painted, right? Like you do all that work for other people. You learn about all this stuff to help others, but you don't do it for yourself sometimes. So that could be something um, that she's, she's, she knows about it, but it's not actually internalizing it. Um, Also, I've talked to a ton of people in the dating scene about attachment theory and it doesn't make them any less avoidant. So I don't think that talking to people about attachment theory and them knowing about it magically makes them good at it because it doesn't. (laughs) Like, you know, we saw that with my ex, he he read the book and everything and then still did, you know, so it's like, (laughs) um, I, 
I don't know. It's, it's tough. Um, I actually don't know if she sounds avoidant. It almost sounds like she was a little anxious, like saying, oh, like, I guess when you tell, when you say that she said that she perceives that the, the uh, intimacy is off, like that's more of an anxious thing to, to, to worry about, like, like, this is what will go on in my head, even with Christian. He might, you know, normally say, hey, love, da 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 da. But then if he says, like, hey, how's work? Got the like, difference. You didn't say. And so then I'll be like, so my anxiety starts to spike where I'm like, are you okay? Is everything okay? Right. Did I do everything okay? Right. And so that's where I have to, him and I had this conversation way early on where I had to trust, I have to trust that he will tell me if something's wrong. That's really big for an anxious person. Like right. everything is wrong in our head for sure. So I have to trust that if he's in a shitty mood, he'll let me know if it's because of me. I don't have to internalize everything. So I don't know. Maybe that was, maybe she's a little, maybe she was a little anxious. And because you're avoidant, there's the pull, right? right. Like you have the avoidant tendencies, maybe, right? I, I do. What you said. So if anything, to me, it sounds like she was more anxious, but she was engaging in maybe protest behavior because she doesn't want to seem too needy or too whatever. So to protect herself, she had to peace out sooner. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, just, just guesses. Like, no, no, no. I mean, that, that makes sense. And, and so for me, I think I was a little... Because I remember I came over to her house one day and it was like, all right, you know, let me make a point to like be affectionate to her because I came over her house one day, one morning after I got off work. And so I'm working these 48 hour shifts, so I'm like exhausted. And so I was maybe, and so I didn't really give her a hug and give her a kiss until like I was about to leave, which was like 30, 45 minutes later, because it was like a quick little, I'm gonna stop here and see. Yeah, that would drive my, that would make my anxiety go like, oh my God, he hates me. Right. Oh my God, he wants nothing to do with me because he didn't kiss me when he walked in. And And that doesn't mean I'm right, right? That doesn't mean that that's fair for you to not be able to have a shitty day, right? Right. So that's where it takes growth on both parts, I think. And honestly, when you said it, I, 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 I saw that in her. But but again, it's like I'm not when I'm dating somebody, I'm not like hyper aggressive physically in the beginning because I don't want to be pushy. You know what I mean? Like I want to make sure you're comfortable before I push the envelope when it comes to that. But it was like, but when I did like kind of grab her and I gave her a kiss before we walked out, she was like, "Oh, you didn't, you know, we didn't get to kiss me today." And it was so she pointed it out and she had this look of like you know concern in her face. Mm-hmm. And so I came over the next like one another day and it was just like, all right, I'm gonna make a point. I'm gonna do it. I'm kissing as soon as I walked in, and it was just like this look was kind of like, it was almost like the how she felt that day kind of carried over into that night, mm-hmm. and so and then that night felt awkward, and then I just pulled completely back because one like yo like I'm one I'm in your house, two I'm staying tonight, and three I don't want you to feel like I'm gonna push myself on you, yeah, in your house. So I just I just for that reason I backed off because I don't want you to feel uncomfortable in that area, especially in your space. Do you see where communication could have helped in all of this? Oh yeah, <laughs> literally from the get go, you could have said, "Hey, I've I had a I'm so tired. I just want to lay with you and hold your hand." Right? That would help the anxiety from her being like, "Oh my god, he just doesn't even want to like anything." Right? Right. And then the next time, you wanting to give her space because it's her place and not wanting to push yourself on her, there's the communication. Hey. I'm perceiving a little bit of a, a distance. It, I, would you like me to keep my distance or would you like me to give you some affection? Right? Like right. actual communication versus, I don't know. She kind of feels this way. I don't know. I kind of, that is not communication. 
Yeah, and see, and see, that's my problem. I feel like I'm very observant, and so I and and it kind of kind of feels like a burden at times. Where I kind of have to read the person and then make my in a way adjustments based on how I'm picking up on them because I don't, especially in the beginning. Now, if we're together for a while, it's something completely different. But in the beginning, it's like I feel like I need to play, like call the right plays, like in a football but game. You're also where, assuming. Just because you're observing someone doesn't mean you actually know what's happening. This is true. So you're actually very much assuming what their thing is, right? Like right. observing is amazing for sure, but it's observing and then communicating that's different. Observing doesn't mean shit if you don't know what's actually happening in their own mind. Like right. I could observe my I can I can read a text my friend gave me in whatever way I want. I've had my friend be like, "Oh, read this text, this person, duh, 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 and was so convinced that person was angry. And when I read it, I was like, I can read it like this. It doesn't sound angry at all. So right. yeah, you can observe all you want, but if you don't communicate or talk to someone, you you actually still don't really know. Like it, it you have to talk about it. Right. So, so at what point do you establish that though? So when you're dating somebody and then, you know, regardless of the attachment styles, how do you introduce that communication? Because that's, that's, that's unfortunately like that's such a odd thing to be able to communicate on that level because a lot of people have been beaten over the head with how they feel from you know someone that may have been avoiding or just their upbringing and, and parenting or their childhood so how do you introduce that or i mean and do you introduce it early or is it something that you have to kind of like like vulnerability slowly kind of like give you an opportunity to develop that communication over time like how do you introduce that level of communication in, in a relationship and at what point? I think that I, um, I think that for a long time, I think I'm finally starting to walk the walk. So I think I used to say that I was really good at communicating. And then when it actually came to me sharing how I felt, I would allow my anxiety to not actually say exactly what I meant or, or soften it or, or make it a little bit like easier and not be as direct. Um, so I, you know, I, I would say for me, and, and it's absolutely, and I, I think a lot of people struggle with this, but I try to represent myself as, authentic, as authentically as I can and as honestly as I can. So a lot of times, like, I'm okay with sharing some things on the first or second date of like, hey, this is, you know, I, I don't know. As I've gotten older, um, there's less I care about hiding I just think it's stupid. Like, if you like me for me, you're going to like me for me because I'm telling you exactly who I am right now versus like pretending to not care about certain things. That's the problem, right? That's what happens in dating is we put on this front for, for the first few months. Like, oh, I totally don't care that he doesn't message me all day long until I say, like, oh, I'm totally fine about it. Totally fine. No, you're not. No, you're not, girlfriend. And maybe if you said it in the beginning, hey, it doesn't sit well with me that I don't hear from you all day. Is that something that's going to be a pattern? Because if it is, that won't work for me. Plain and right. simple. Like, I've gotten to the point where I've said that before, where I'm like, if you're not interested in, in catching in, in checking in with me every day, do I need to talk to you for 20, for 12 hours out of that day? No. Do I need to sit on the phone with you for three hours every single night in order for me to feel okay? No. Do some people? Maybe. And if their partner cares about, they'll care. They they won't care about doing that. For right. me, I want someone that wants to know how my day was. 
I'm not okay with being with someone who doesn't, who, who could go a whole day without caring about how my day was. Like, that's totally not the person I want to be with because I've been with that before and I know it doesn't work for me. Right. Um, so communicating that truly from the get-go is important. And so for, so for me, it's like, I would, like, I would not say those things out of the fear of being judged though. Like I wouldn't say, well, hey, you know what? Cause, cause again, it kind of comes into like that toxic masculinity. If I tell you, oh, I feel like you're being a, like you're feeling distant right now. Like it's what's going on. Then it's kind of like, well, well, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? Like, you know, why are you and your feelings? about something that obviously hasn't because you haven't had like this action like this big happening to respond to and i'm just kind of responding and reacting to how i feel in the moment the tension and the energy in the room it almost kind of like makes me feel like because something hasn't literally out you know happened it, i shouldn't i shouldn't speak on it or express how i feel about the vibe that we have mm-hmm. it's this it's literally this like the example i gave earlier of um, my partner went to bed earlier that night and my mind wanted to go insane about all the reasons why he went to bed early. <laughs> I could have not said anything to him for fear of him reacting like my other partners. What are you crazy? Oh my God, of course not. Like whatever. I pushed past it and said something to him because the way I think of it now, if he did react in a shitty way, that's a good sign for me to know maybe he's not my guy, right? But he didn't. So that felt even closer to him, right? Right. You have to tell people what is on your mind and how you're feeling, even if it rocks the boat, because that's how you know, like you're with the right kind of person. I mean, you would do that with your friends, right? right. Like you wouldn't, it's the same thing. These relationships, whether it's intimate or friendship, I mean, it's the same. If you wouldn't allow shitty, toxic people in your life as a friend, then why are we allowing it in our relationships? Especially by not even communicating what we want. Like, that's the worst thing. I, I do. I have, I can think of a particular friend that is just like, it's this constant, like, well, I don't understand why they, and I'm like, but you didn't say anything. You didn't right. hear what you wanted at all. Well, but I said this and you would think that they would. Th- no, that's not the same. Like, it's wild what people think are, is communicating. It is. And <laughs> I'm, this is coming from a space like I am not great at, I am not perfect either. I am always going to work on my communication. I struggle. I struggle to communicate with my mom because we have such high tension around us. So, you know, there's certain I act like a baby with communicating with her. So, you know, I can be really good with certain things. And it's just, it's, to me, it's about dedicating yourself to doing it. Okay. Dedicating yourself to being authentic to, to, I think, uh, at least I can speak to the anxious attachers and avoidant, I would say, really, because all of it is stemming from you're not enough. All of our attachment styles the avoidant or anxious, it all stems from feeling like you're not enough. So the personal work of knowing that you are imperfect, you're wild, wired for struggle, but you're worthy of love and belonging. That's from Brene Brown. That's everyone. You are imperfect. You are wired for struggle, but you're absolutely worthy of love and belonging. If we believe that more, 
we would know our worth. We would realize that we are enough as we are. That's it. I'm not pretending to go to Christian perfect. And he knows that. And he's not coming to me perfect either. But we're able to meet each other in this space to feel safe enough to be who we are. I love that. Like your like your relationship is giving me like so much like hope for something better because that's what you're experiencing is just so foreign to me. But it's, <laughs> but, at the same, but at the same time, it's kind of like I've had this over the past couple of years. I've had this feeling of something like that being out there mm-hmm. and just oh, hearing it's, real. it's and possible he- and hearing your story about it, it's like, OK, it's like, all right, it is real. Mm-hmm. see these two people you know experiencing it and going through it and enjoying this positive relationship that so i mean look at where you are with five months in so imagine if you're still together 10 years down the road and you're still having this level of communication is you're almost going to be like one mind mm-hmm. i would think at some point because you've been communicated so much to the point where because i've had situations with friends to where we can look at something and i automatically know what they're thinking Mm-hmm. And they automatically know what I'm thinking and we don't have to communicate. Not saying that we don't, but at the same time, it's just like that synergy, like that level of communication and oneness with a person. But I've never experienced that with a significant other on that level. Mm-hmm. Well, and what what it feels like for me right now in this new relationship, because, you know, who knows where anything is going to go. Obviously, we want it to be, you know, whatever. But I think one of the biggest things is being with him at least in this relationship is healing for me um example the other day i he's you know he's on his computer doing schoolwork and i'm on my computer sitting next to him we're just like doing things simultaneously and i look over at him and i just kind of give him like a little like you know like blow him a kiss and he immediately like kind of reaches over to give me a kiss and so i said to him you know when i do that that's not because i'm asking you to give me a kiss i just am blowing you a kiss and he was like his his immediate response was who's to say i don't want a kiss and it literally made me start crying was the fact that my brain wants to tell me that my partner's only giving me this affection because they think i want it that that they're kissing me because they think that's what i want it literally didn't even enter my brain that maybe he wants that. Right. That because he's giving me a kiss, because he wants to give me a kiss, not because he thinks that's what I want, but because he has wants and needs. Like that didn't occur to me <laughs> because I have been in relationships where my needs weren't being met. I probably wasn't meeting their needs and we weren't communicating about it. Um, that's beautiful. I love that. It really, I mean, I couldn't stop crying and I was like, uh, I'm sorry that I'm crying in the middle. Like there was, he was like looking at me like, um, did I do something wrong? And I'm like, no, I did everything right. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it was a really, a really big realization for me. And that, but that all stems from my self-worth, my idea of my, my self-worth, that, so he's helping me heal those wounds that I need to work on, right? He can't right. fix those for me, but he can he can give me those little reassurances sometimes that I, I didn't even know I needed that. But it was a really big realization was like, oh, you want this? Right. Like, I could be desirable, like, or you want, like, you desire me? That was, I think, 
a big thing is because in the anxious mind, the anxious attacher mind, we don't think we're desirable. We don't think we're enough to keep our partner loving us for however long. We don't. When they don't text us back right away or when they don't call us for the day, our mind thinks, oh, who do they meet that's better than us? Right. I mean, that's genuinely what happens. That's what goes through the mind. So then being with someone who's like, yeah, no, I want to kiss you. Like, that's what I'm like, what? So let me ask you this question. And I feel like I feel like we've already gotten the answer. But so the concept of the show is you know, bite of the apple, right? Like, so eating from the tree of the forbidden fruit of knowledge. So what do you want people as though this is, this episode is is your tree of knowledge. When they bite into this apple, what do you want them to instantly understand from, from this? That the attachment style that you might be in right now isn't where you have to be. That it is absolutely possible to not feel as anxious in a relationship it is possible to not feel avoidant. It's possible to feel more secure. Um, part of it is learning the people that you're dating and the patterns that you're in. But a lot of it is also knowing that you are worthy. You are worthy of love. And and that's really the bottom line. Like you are worthy of it. Um, and, and like don't settle for someone who does not show you that you're worthy of love. I love that. Well, I thank you so I thank you so much for your time, Amanda. Yeah, you're this welcome. Was, uh, this was amazing. Like I said, your relationship like inspires me to the, the possibilities of what is out there and what's available. So I do appreciate you for your time. Thank you. Hey, this is Nick Moore, your host. I understand that time is life, which is why I'm so grateful that you would take the time to listen to Forbidden Fruit Podcast. It's something that I do not take lightly. If you've enjoyed what you've heard so far, please share this with a friend. You can also show your support by downloading, following, or subscribing to the podcast, as well as leaving a review on Apple Podcast. Don't forget to turn on your notifications so you don't miss an episode. Find me on Twitter at podcast underscore fruit. I would love to hear from you. And like always, until then, be tempted.